welcome to the Language Mastery Show. I'm your host, John Fotheringham. In today's show, I chat with Matthias Ribbing, a Swedish author, speaker, and international grandmaster of memory. I saw him speak first at the 2016 Bulletproof Conference and was absolutely blown away. In our conversation, we talk about how to apply his memory techniques in learning languages, Japanese specifically, and even in your daily life. For show notes, go to languagemastery.com slash show. How did you get into being what's called a memory, a grandmaster of memory? What does that mean? Yeah, that's an official title that you get when you compete in memory sports if you meet certain requirements. For example, there are three actual requirements that you need to do in an official competition. And uh, yeah, these competitions have existed for now for 25 years, so they are pretty much established. And uh, to become a grandmaster of memory, you must be able to uh, recall the exact order of at least 1,000 random digits that you've only been able to look at for one hour. Uh, so that's one of them. Then there is a playing card thing that you get to look at as many playing cards as you have time for in also in one hour. And then you have to be able to recall the exact order of 10 decks one after the other. So that's another requirement. And you also there's a speed thing to it. Also, you have to be able to memorize the order of one shuffle deck of cards in less than two minutes. Amazing. So, then you get your grandmaster of memory yeah. title. <laughs> is it like a big belt you can wear around or any kind of Yeah, that would yeah, be something. Special hat that. or Yeah. <laughs> a diploma was was what's given so that yeah. yeah. But this uh, the interest of mine uh, getting into all this uh, was basically only from a learning perspective. I worked as a teacher before. I love learning, the science of learning, how to work with groups. I love the practical aspects. I love learning new stuff myself. And thought a lot about that. Can it be trained? This it must be able to see it as a skill, learning, right. and how to develop this, that you, you could use it for anything, basically. So that's how I got into this kind of like, yeah, like brain training, because all these skills are just trained. I'm not born with any of these right. things. There are no uh, photographic memory aspects, just basic training. I started when I was 29, so uh, and lots of people start when they're much older than right. that and get fantastic results. And that, I think, is, you, you know, you, you touched on a few common myths, I believe, about memory and about learning. You know, you said you started when you're 29. Most people think that, oh, I'm too old to, to train my brain. Uh, yeah. And then you also mentioned that you uh, didn't have any particular special memory talent. So it's not something you're just born with. So um, let's dig into the, the second point a little bit more. So I, I've read on your website and you've mentioned in your keynote uh, at the Bulletproof conference that you had average grades, you, you know, average memory. So what is it that you then did differently from most people to be able to remember so much? Yeah, I started focusing on training my brain to think in images. I mean, that's like opening up the, the doors to the brain so it can absorb so much more when you train it to think in images. 
it's it's a it's a way of tricking the brain into believing it's had an actual experience right. that it's really wow experience something and then so many connections are formed so much you're able to take in so much and it changes the whole thing then you actually get control over learning so that we we prove that in memory sport for example that we we don't take any guesses we know what we have learned and we are pretty sure about it but sports is one thing the, the reason i got into it is how to apply this in regular life during studies or in business or just for any kind of interest how to apply it in normal situations that's my main interest and i've been working for over seven years full time so i've three books out on the biggest Swedish publishing house and how to, and that, that's not about competing. That's about regular life. Mm-hmm. I believe you have, yeah. you have one on applied to math. One is a one for language and then. Yeah. The one in uh, math, that's an entirely new aspect of this. Uh, it's never been done anywhere in the world where I, together with a mathematician wrote a book where you learn math, but through simple visualizations. So by memory training, learning math, I mean, people think that, hey, do you really need that? You don't need to memorize a lot of stuff in mm-hmm. math to understand. It's more about understanding. But my view on this is that memory isn't even that important. There's something happening before. Because when you visualize, you're, you're creating understanding in the brain. The brain has understood something. Mm-hmm. Many things will attach to it. So we guide the, the reader through uh, everything from basic rules of arithmetic to advanced high school level uh, mathematics, all by uh, thinking in these uh, fun images, and you learn it as re- uh, as like a, like a uh, consequence of it. So that's never been done in the world before, and it's also it's out in English in an, uh, as an e-learning course on my uh, website, grandmasterofmemory.com. So then that's the latest thing. It came out just a few months ago and we've gotten fantastic response from it. So that's pretty cool. I think that we can actually say we've brought out a new way to learn math. I mean, after thousands of years, the people work on math. Yeah. And we haven't seen this uh, way of learning it before. Very cool. Well, I'm going to have to check that out. That was Math was always one of the areas that I struggled with in school. And in fact, one of the reasons I chose linguistics as a major in, in college was there wasn't much of a math requirement, so I could just focus on, on language things. So I'll have yeah. to check it out. Um, I liked math. I just, yeah, I, I liked things that were, well, you mentioned visual, you know, the visual parts of math were always easier to me because my brain mm. could wrap around it. So it's very attractive, this idea that you say that I could use images and other types of math to help make it clear and make it stick. Yeah, and the cool thing is you, you can use this kind of image thinking. We'll get on into it uh, in a bit uh, practically in, mm-hmm. in languages, but the cool thing, you can use it for any kind of learning that you need because that's thinking in images is like, yeah, it gives the brains like magnet. The Im- images works like magnets, so they will right. suck up a lot of things around it. So we'll, you will get into stuff much faster. Now, do you think, is that because we've evolved to be such a visual species? That that's one of our primary modes of of sensory input or what is it about images that that make them so sticky or so magnetic as you said yeah there has been actually everyone thinks in images even people who wouldn't say they do right not, we all do like that. Not visual been fan- thinker yeah 
No, no, no. All this learning styles crap that's <laughs> been disproven on later years. Yeah, yeah. That one is a visual thinker, one is a. It doesn't. I mean, we are more similar than we think. Yeah. Uh, but then they, in this kind of research, they've actually measured our eye movements. And they've seen that almost, almost everyone, when when you talk about something, your eyes are looking as if you see what you're talking about in front of you. But this is so quick, it's so ingrained in us, so we don't really recognize it. But what I do is to make this think, kind of thinking conscious, that you do it uh, with intent, uh, so you can really start to use it to your advantage. But basically anything, I mean, even communication, language as such is about transferring an inner image to you. I mean, that's what communication mm. is doing. That you Do you see what I mean? Right. Can you see yourself in that right. situation right. or whatever it is I'm trying to get through? And that's the cool thing with language learning in particular, because when you learn languages based on images, the cool thing then... Okay, let's get into it, let's languages, it, yeah. right? And now, yeah. for for example, I'll, I'll take a, an, an example. I mean, if you visualize a cow in front of yourself, mm-hmm. that's when I, when I, or particularly my students, uh, many use this kind of thinking for uh, to uh, quick up uh, language learning. If you visualize a cow and you attach a new pronunciation to it, for example, if I teach you the the Swedish word for cow, it's koo. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Sounds almost like cool. Mm -hmm. So what you do is to this, you you connect two images together. One of the meaning, which is the visualized image of a cow. And the next thing, it's a clue for the pronunciation. So it sounds like cool. So let's imagine a big ice block and place this on the back of the cow. You can see a huge ice block there. And that just remembers us of cool. Just give us something. But the, uh, the cool thing then is when you learn words through images, the brain can absorb so many more of them much quicker. And it, you, you, you like find a way to direct your thinking. You can find the information when you need it in a much uh, greater sense. And uh, what I was going to say about language learning and images, now we're attaching a clue to the pronunciation to the inner images, to the exact meaning of the word, which is the inner image. So when I then, a connection has been created in the brain. So if I pass a real cow when driving in the car, for example, Mm -hmm. then the pronunciation will come immediately. Right. And uh, the the problem is when the old school kind of learning, when we just read, when we study words by just saying the thing over and over again, you read the word for the the meaning and then the translation. So you just say it again and again, like a robot. Yeah. Then, then that gives a kind of language learning where you always have to translate in your brain first. Right. There's an extra step. Yeah. Because you just say you, then you just create sound connections through the translation and the and the uh, the new word. You just say them again and again to really hammer them in. But then it's kind of a mechanical, more right. um, yeah. So giving it in images, it's a more lively way of learning. And these images are also it's just in the beginning that you need them right. because then. After a bit of review, which you really need to do also, the, the, the word will come much more, uh, get into reflex learning. So it's just in the beginning to be right. able to take in a lot. 
and then they will they will stick. So my students uh, usually uh, do this. I mean, I'm all over the place. Now it was uh, math recently. I haven't done any new languages myself. I bettered up my German. But uh, my idea is to write a book on languages. And then I would like to document as I learn several new languages at the same time. Well, because if, I have an idea that this will be even easier. I think so. If you decide to do Japanese, let me know. I'd be happy to... Uh, yeah, I will. And many of my students do that, and, and uh, Japanese also. Uh, uh, but the cool thing, for example, one of my uh, students called David is an 18-year-old guy. He wanted to apply this to French. And since he had been started training his brain to think in images, he decided that he wanted to learn 50 new words each day for two weeks. And if you're just going to say the word again and again, the word, uh, the brain can't absorb that many because you will lose the ones from earlier and it will right. be simply be too much. But when in images, it worked out pretty well. In the beginning for him, it took one and a half hours to get this kind of visual thinking, to get the 50 new words. After a week, it took him one hour for each of the 50 new words. And by the end, it took just 30 minutes. So the brain gets, it gets automatized more, mm -hmm. more and more. But the cool thing, all the old words stayed. And after these two weeks, he had 700 new words. And he then started to read uh, simple French books, which you could not do before. Very cool. And I mean, this is just after two weeks. So, uh, and if you also then follow, you you check your words against the word frequency right. list. So you focus on really common words. Right. Don't do the obscure ones. Right. That's just wasting time yep. in the beginning. So with all these things, so um, yeah, it, it's cool possibility that's opening up, where you actually then get control over learning and you use your brain's abilities to a much greater extent, and it becomes fun. Indeed. What I find amazing about these kind of techniques is that for people that their whole life have struggled to remember something, now it's hard actually to forget something. Like if you ask somebody right now, what is the Swedish word for cow? Everybody yeah. knows <laughs> it's cool. Even if yeah. you know we've been talking now for 10 minutes since then, it's still in there because mm -hmm. of that, that visualization. It's, it's really powerful. And the cool thing you can do, and that, that was an easy noun, but you can do it for any kind. You can do it for uh, more ab abstract words also. Let's, if, if you take a word uh, like run, you just choose an image. The first thing when you think of running, okay, a running shoe. Mm -hmm. So you imagine then a running shoe, but the word, your brain knows that it's the word run. So you won't mix that up. But just choose a symbol for the meaning. And then the Swedish word for run is springa. 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 Yeah, like, like spring. Uh, yeah, sp at spring, the, the flowers, the first flowers start to bloom, for example. So let's, if we then put on this, we place a, uh, like a spring flower mm -hmm. inside the running shoe. So that's a clue for the brain to find its right way to springa, uh, the Swedish word. And uh, you can even use e even much more abstract words like how, um, which is an abstract word. Mm -hmm. Then you just think the first that comes to mind, the first way to sentence to use how, like uh, how, uh, how, do you, how do you feel? So then I can, that's my first uh, thought. And then I imagine just like this doctor's, uh, uh, thing uh, oh, stethoscope, stethoscope yeah. Yeah. So that's how. So how? 
En uh, hur is the Swedish word. Hur. Hur. Ja, yeah, like Ben Ben Hur, the movie, ah, okay. you know. So you can just imagine Ben Hur. Uh, like I just take a, like a, a DVD with the Ben Hur uh, movie on it. Just uh-huh. do something. You shouldn't think about doing really good. Uh, the importance is not to create smart images. The important thing is to go with the first thought yeah, always. That's important. Because then the brain can find yourself back. So you you set, put the stethoscope around this uh, DVD uh, case of the Ben Hur movie. <laughs> <laughs> so how was the word and hur then? That's really interesting. But then you have three yeah. new words in Swedish yeah. as a bonus. There. No, I, I really like that you touched on things like adverbs because I think those tend to be the most difficult to remember for people because they they're not a concrete noun or object that their brain immediately associates with an image it's you know it's a functional word so I I find that's really interesting you can attach an image the same way Um, what would you say to somebody then trying to learn for example Japanese kanji where you have these it's a myth that they're a pictograph. They're actually, you know, one chunk of them is for pronunciation and one chunk is usually for meaning. Um, yeah. So how would you apply these techniques then in, in that context to remember yeah, when the, the, the writing and the pronunciation of a, a kanji and the meaning? Yeah. So three pieces. Yes. And that's no problem. So we start with the, the symbol. When we have a, a foreign symbol, the technique for it is that one of the most important thing with visualizing is to always visualize in three dimensions. You try to see a thing like when I uh, describe the car, you should really see it as if it was taking up space in the room in front of you. Right. Three dimensions is important. There are there are fantastic science which has shown which images remain the longest in the brain and which are sorted out when you sleep and so on. And they saw that image with clear outlines and contours, mm-hmm. and this the three-dimensional visualization helps that. And uh, so that's, that's always uh, an important thing. And then when we come to uh, new symbols, like kanji symbols, then the trick is to visualize. We have, for example, I uh, I don't I don't speak Japanese myself, but many many of my students they they use it for this kind. So I looked up uh, one, for example, there's a, a kanji for above, mm-hmm. which has a an horizontal. Okay, right. this is not video, so I can't really show yeah. <laughs> you. Yeah, exactly. I can put in the show notes the kanji, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, the thing is, you stretch this out so it becomes three D and give it a material. So let's stretch it out backwards, like is if, if it was made out of wood. So it becomes almost like a, a kind of shelf thing. Mm-hmm. So you can see it like that. So see it made out of wood uh, in that way. So then you can like see it from the side. You can see it. I mean, then the, the brain forms so many new connections and it can you can separate it between others. So it becomes a little bit like a shelf. And then we attach, a, if we should attach a meaning to it, above, I mean, we can just place an, like a hand is patting on the top of the, of the, of this three-dimensional symbol. So that will be the meaning of it. And then I don't know what the pronunciation is, but you just can put in a third, uh, a third symbol, like a pronunciation clue where we had in the earlier words. You can put that on another place on this wooden shelf 
that he, the symbol now has become. So this be for this kanji. It's the by itself would be ue would be above. Okay. So. Okay. Ue. Uh, that's I would. That's the first. Uh, it's close to a uh, pronunciation of a uh, where I'm thinking of football leagues because there's some kind of federation that is almost called something like that. So ue. I would, uh, like, yeah, the UEFA Cup, uh, mm -hmm. I think, if it's in English. That's my first thought. Mm -hmm. So my then pronunciation clue would be uh, football. I uh, mean, okay. yeah. Interesting. So the, the soccer, actually. So, I mean, these are mine, but you should go for what Whatever your you first right. thought is. Yeah. Uh, so then I put the, 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 a soccer ball on yeah. the shelf also. But but some some uh, some images in in the kanji, for example, they are very complex. Right. But that's also very easy because then you have to separate into two parts, or sometimes even three or more. Yes. So you just take one part of it, stretch it out in three D, and give it a material. I mean, it can be made of cheese, <laughs> so you can see, uh, or chocolate, or uh -huh. iron, or plastic or to give it a color give it as if it becomes an object three-dimensional object in the room so if it's if there are very very lots of uh, if, it, if it's an intricate symbol you do it in parts so you have one then cheese <laughs> shelf and you then you uh -huh. have one uh, wooden thing on there and you have one little iron thing and together it's so easy for the brain then to come up with everything and you can write it out together as a as the symbol that it is does it matter what material you use is, is there a particular rhyme or reason like okay i'm going to use wood for x and steel for y it doesn't matter it's just no, something. we shouldn't be overcomplicating it. Just take the first thing that comes to mind. It's much easier. You need uh, a material to be able to visualize it easier in three dimensions, as if okay. it was an object. So, but I don't know how it, this sounds to someone who is not used to this conscious way of thinking in images. So, of course, the first times you try, it's a bit of an extra effort. Mm -hmm. You can use your hands in front of yourself to really try to see the the image in front of it. But it will take a the first signs will take a little bit longer but you will very very quickly get more used to this and you will quickly see that the amount of new signs you can take in that will be go far beyond what you ever was able to do with just this mindless repetition just right when you don't know what you're doing really That's so right. then here you get a you get a strategy where you work together with the, your brain in a way that it can take in more so uh, so give it this extra little time that it yeah. will take in the beginning. You it's, will see what happens. It's an investment. You're making a small investment up front yeah. that you can then benefit from in the, in the longer term. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Which I, I think if anybody has tried to learn kanji or any language for some period of time, they will, and failed, because most do, uh, doing it the traditional rote way of writing it out a hundred times and then turn the page over and go, ah, why can't I remember this? What's wrong with me? Mm. I must be stupid. I must be a bad student. It, it, it hurt, breaks my heart when I hear that because yes. you're not stupid. Your method no. is stupid. <laughs> it's what I always tell people. Exactly. And you don't have a method. And then I work a lot with kids in school. And one of my books was uh, directed to learning in school where I go through all the topics where you learn real chemistry, tech, uh, mm -hmm. physics, everything. Uh, and you apply this kind of thinking and you see the smiles of these kids that where they see that 
not only did they just were they just able to do this difficult task that they didn't think was possible before, but they think they see that it's easier than you think. Yeah. But no one has told them. Right. And they don't even know that there is. I mean, this we we've never it it's these kinds of thoughts are getting more into school learning a little bit where there are interest in teachers, but right. The idea that we have never talked about how to learn and focus on how to learn mm-hmm. is ridiculous because we have so many years in school. And, That's right. I mean, learning new things then in business, you have to get into new areas at work, yep. continues throughout your life. So that we didn't give our children this important gift in the beginning. It's, uh, But as I said, it's never too late. I mean, yeah. The oldest students I started to work with, which was completely fresh, uh, a woman called Mario, she was 75 years old wow. when she started to work with me. She started to uh, do one of the more toughest uh, um, regiments that I have, where you do 23 lessons and then you do a, uh, a test for yourself. Uh, when you have you have to learn all different kinds of ma- information to take this test, and if you look at it, it's so much you have to take in. You think it's not uh, possible for anyone. But Mario, then seventy-five, she started training her brain to think in images step by step. She succeeded in this uh, test, which was great, and the rumor quickly spread about Ma- uh, Mario's uh, results. So it ended up Sweden's biggest uh, seniors journal came and visited us. <laughs> uh, us and wanted to make a big thing out of this because mm-hmm. whoa you can do this uh, and then that's what happens when you get that's the cool the difference between training your physical body i mean there you have to work for each little little step of growth for your muscles for right. example but here in learning we go through having no strategy at all to a working strategy so there, the first step is huge and it can be taken very quickly. So there is immediately a very big result. Then if you want to work, you can work more and more as you see me do on stage where I memorize mm-hmm. two separate newspapers for that day and all these things. Of course, that requires more change. For general life, you can see very quick gainings fast. Wonderful. So we've talked about how to apply this to to nouns to even adverbs to verbs to kanji uh let's zoom out a little bit then and apply this to just general life so what are some maybe unexpected ways that you can use these techniques and improving your memory to have a better life Mm -hmm. the cool thing is like thinking in images that's like giving your brain a set of folders like in a computer Mm -hmm. So, so you always know where to find things I mean, this kind of learning when we just read the same thing over and over and hoping for the best, that's like throwing documents into your computer with no names, no locations. So sure, they might be there, but you don't find them at that moment when you really need it. So in in everyday life, these kinds of folders, it's like you have, I have temp folders in my brain where I quickly store things, for example, that I, if I just end up in a very interesting conversation with someone, totally unexpected the people drops a uh, lot of important information i just quickly take in that and uh, i can drop it afterwards if i don't need it or i can move the information if it's something important that i want to store for a long time i can sort of move it to a more permanent folder mm. that i that i will keep for much longer so the cool thing you can actually 
when getting into this kind of thinking, I can decide for how long I want to store different things. Interesting. But yeah, so if I want to need something for a few hours, like uh, if I have important stuff that I need to do for a day, or if I prepared a meeting, I prepared an interview, I have a video podcast, it's in Swedish so far, I will change to English, but they're the guests, they're, they're shocked that I can conduct long interviews and I don't have a single sheet of paper for me, but I can mm. just... Uh, I just go from point to point to point and I can be fully attentive. You don't need get the extra uh, distractions and so on. So it, it's good. You can always, it's a way to becoming more free to trust your brain that it will deliver. So you can relax, trust it. You will get, uh, the, you reach the important information just at those times when you need it. So. Right. Uh, and this part for when you need longer learning to quickly get into new areas. Uh, so you have to take in a lot of information and how to deal with, uh, yeah, if, for example, if, if at work you have a new big customer that you really want to quickly read up on, so you can do that and then you can quickly prepare and you will sound like an expert. So because you are because you can take in so much more right. information. That's one aspect. Then we have the whole part of focus. I don't know how, how much time we have to get into it, but it's sure. also something yeah. that this, I mean, memory sports, that's the most, f because this, now we'll just talk about long term, term more or less uh, learning. But when it comes about focus about the here and now, this thinking in images helps also this. Because the thinking in images gives us something concrete to hold our focus to. So I can see that so clearly in when working with the kids in school that, okay, when you get into a lesson and, and listening to the, what the teacher said, don't, don't care so much about what they're saying, but hold a simple image in your mind at the same time mm -hmm. is help focus and this creates like the magnet in the brain that draws the information what is being said what's being taught at that time to it and it can even be randomized image you can just take mm -hmm. a, like take a, a table lamp that's better than nothing mm -hmm. and the brain has understood something it's like this and you create a simulated experience in the brain that it has an, a lamp in front of it and what's being said at the same time when you experience that when you visualize that will attach so people mistake this kind of learning that you have to come up with intricate stories that you have to be creative all the time no it's plain visualization in 3D, and this kind of thinking can be automatized also. So it doesn't require this effort like the classical memory uh, mnemonic techniques right. do when you all the time have to visualize sex or violence or <laughs> this. No, the brain, this is more like we do it delicately with the kind of thinking that can become automatized and just we give the brain just what it needs to be able to find the stuff. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a huge departure from a lot of the, as you said, the memory mnemonics and the memory palace and all, all these different things yeah. that I, most of us have read about that have gotten into this uh, this world. Um, yeah. It's so much simpler and it's so much less yeah. intimidating to think, oh, all I have to do is use one image that pops into my head and then that that's okay. Instead yeah. of, okay, I need it needs to be 
exactly the right thing, you know, and I have to have exactly the right image for every single thing I want to learn, most people will quit. It, it just sounds yeah. too intimidating. But, but just what you said, most people have heard about memory palaces, but hardly anyone can use it because right. it's too difficult to get straight into. This, this is a much better way to start working, to get the quick initial results. And then one can train more and more if you want to take it further. But it's uh, you, you can't start with the most difficult things uh, immediately. This is uh, I think this is much more for the general public where you don't you don't need to uh, <laughs> to go further into it either because just this will uh, make you much more efficient learner. Some people are happy with that. Just you gain a hundred percent from what you usually uh, did before. I mean that just that is can make a huge impact on your life. Absolutely. So to just reiterate for listeners, if you're in a, a conversation or a class or a lecture or anything, the key is just let one image come to mind in 3D as they speak, as somebody is, is lecturing. That's it. And then yes. afterwards, when you go to review what was said, you picture yeah. the image and it will trigger the things that were talked about. Is that that's the basic idea exactly okay that, that, that's the idea and that's the cool thing i mean because we can see one image and hear something else at the same time i mean that's what we do all the time when watching a movie we, we hear right. something and we see something else the brain that's different channels in the brain so to speak but it will attach and the cool thing then we need also to do some reviewing because we need to find ourselves back especially if you're learning word you need to review these images and retell the the exact pronunciation and so on strategically but also for everyday learning but the the quick the cool thing with the images it's so quick to review and it's actually at the core of the learning so you don't need to retell everything but you if you review the images i mean taking 2 minutes before bedtime to go through what you've done during the day and focusing on the images that's super powerful in itself and because images you don't need words i mean it's so quick to review images it's like after a while it's like browsing images on your uh, smartphone huh. you don't need to speak you just right. see them quickly reviewed so just a few minutes and you've reviewed the core of what was there and then that will uh, of course then every depending on what you need the information for you need to retell the information then also with some intervals. This you can do more elaborately or very easily also, but it will be there. It will help you. It's, uh, yeah, the, the, that's the main idea. Wonderful. Okay, so what's your, uh, if you had one final takeaway or one ask uh, of the listeners, what would it be? Don't try to become perfect with this immediately because yeah. that's the main obstacle to all my students that they think, okay, from day one, now I will memorize everything that's around me and it will work right. great immediately. No, it won't. <laughs> but And also with these images, people think that, oh, I can't visualize clearly enough. No one can visualize clearly enough. Mm. <laughs> the thing with, when you visualize like a cow, for example, what happens in your brain that for a fragment of a second, you think you might have seen something, then it's gone. Right. And then you tr have to try again, and you think you see, maybe you've seen some detail, and then it's gone. And this is how visualization works for everyone, including me, who has been training. But this fragment of a segment is enough for the brain to create the connections we need. So don't try to do it 
in a perfect way, choosing the perfect pictures or trying to visualize it perfectly. Do as good as you can and apply it to a situation and see if it, uh, you can gain some results uh, of it. I mean, it's a little bit like uh, uh, riding a bi bicycle. I mean, if you try to ride it perfectly with every movement, really, really slow, it will be difficult to have a balance. You need to get your speed up immediately, and then it's easier to keep the balance. That's a good analogy. Yeah. Yeah, very good advice. I, I am a lifelong perfectionist in recovery, so that's uh, especially helpful yeah. for me. Me too. I yeah. mean, otherwise I wouldn't gotten into this, but it, one yeah. needs to cure oneself of this perfectionism. It, it is a terrible, terrible uh, affliction. I, I <laughs> but And they don't have good 12-step programs for us for, for perfectionism. No, yeah. there should be, uh, yeah. <laughs> Definitely. All right. Well, thank you very much. Uh, I really appreciate your time. And I hope uh, everyone listening can start to apply this in their life a little bit at a time and not be perfectionist about it. Just trust in their, their visual memory. And uh, I think it could be a very powerful thing. So thank you very, very much. And uh, thank you I've, so much for having me, John. Yeah. If I uh, happen to visit Sweden sometime, I will definitely give you a holler. And I, yes, I owe please. you a, a coffee or a beer or your your beverage of choice. I'm looking forward to that. And people can find me at grandmastermemory.com. There I have uh, my books are in Swedish, but they are in English as e-learning courses, so Great. you can find them there. And please connect to me through social media. My name is Matthias Ribbing, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. I'd love to uh, hear from you people who listen to this. Very good. I'll put it all in the show notes so people can click through to you. All right. Take care. You too. Thank you very much for listening to the Language Mastery Show. For show notes, go to languagemastery.com slash show. You can also find other articles about language learning, my language learning guides, and more. <laughs>